damn it, how long have we been doing this show? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 201. It is June 13th, 2019. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, (laughs) there actually is so much to talk about this week. Yeah, like one out of every four episodes when we say this, that we actually mean it. And in <laughs> fact, so much we can't talk about. It was a bad weekend for injuries in pro wrestling. It was a bad weekend for uh, human rights in pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're about a week out now from the Super Showdown mess in Saudi Arabia. I've watched most of this card. I believe you did not on principle. Is that correct? Yeah, that's like, and again, I think I said this last time, I'm not passing judgment on anybody who does. I still have my network subscription. Like I, I, you know, I don't, I don't plan on canceling that. So it's just personally didn't want to watch it. Wasn't a lot on the show that interested me anyway. So also I was working during the show. So it's just like, there was a lot of reasons for me to not watch this one. Makes sense. I had to take the dog to the vet. Uh, during during the show, so I caught I caught it like in bits and pieces over a period of three days. But I did catch the Undertaker and Goldberg match twice, and Oof. that was a really bad deal. Uh, Goldberg obviously got a concussion. He ran into a ring post. Undertaker dropped him on his head. Goldberg cut his head open before the match by slamming his head on a door. <laughs> Probably doesn't help. No, like obviously the ring post was the big thing, but yeah, I guess in headbutting something so hard that you bleed is not uh, it's not good for you, for your health, for your brain's health. Yeah, you likened it to method acting, which I guess I can understand, but at some point we're all adults here. Can we stop? Can we stop? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily mean that that's always a good thing. Like if you read like what Jared Leto did when he was playing the Joker, it's like that guy comes off like an idiot. <laughs> kind of a dummy. And that's, I think, if you if you watch the WWE 24 thing they did on Goldberg during his last run, everything in that special is just him talking about how much pressure he's put on himself and how he feels like he has to be the same guy he was in 1998. And, like, this is, you know, he wants to be the superhero again. He wants to be, he still wants to be Goldberg, but he's 50 now. And so, and I guess the, he feels like the only way he can get into the headspace to be, to be Goldberg is to do dumb stuff like that. Well, whether it was that or ring rust or the fact that Bill was never a particularly skilled wrestler to begin with, he ran into a ring post, knocked himself out, and the match wasn't stopped. And it was a real bad deal. And... I don't know what else there is to say about it other than it was irresponsible of the company not to stop the match. I think it was irresponsible of the company to book the match. I would uh, agree. Well, but you, you mentioned to me off, off the air 
about how there was a time after it was like a one-two punch in a couple of years of the Ricky Steamboat got injured in like a Nexus beatdown. Yeah, and then of course the Jerry, the famous you know Jerry Lawler thing. These were a couple of years apart, but it was really like post Jerry Lawler, especially. It was like nobody over at certain age is getting cleared anymore. We're not putting any old guys in the ring anymore. Uh, you know, stuff like that. And they would, if they were teasing older guys getting in the ring, some of those were dropped. Like I know they were teasing like a Foley and I want to say they were doing like Foley and Dolph Ziggler one year or something. And then they just kind of had to drop that suddenly because Foley couldn't get cleared anymore and stuff like that. So. And now we're, but because of these Saudi shows, it's like, well, whoever <laughs> they want, they're going to get. And whoever they want that will say yes, they'll get. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not even so sure that, like, I think it's maybe a debatable point that it's irresponsible because for what it was, which was a smoke and mirror, uh, very smartly laid out thing before Goldberg ran into the ring post and knocked himself unconscious, mm. it was kind of laid out really smartly. Uh, it was just, it was, I'm sure Paul Heyman laid it out. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was just, it was all big, all, all big moves. Um, they were doing them. The idea would be to do it really quickly and they were doing them kind of slowly, but it was just big <laughs> move after big move. So I guess maybe, it could have been an okay match, but I think it's irresponsible to put two fifty plus year old guys out there, <laughs> particularly somebody with as much mileage on them as the Undertaker. Yeah. And then, and then especially when when Goldberg got knocked out, it should have been it. Like instead, they kept doing spots. They tried to do a tombstone reversal. They both fell down. Goldberg Undertaker got- can't do that with <laughs> Roman Reigns. Undertaker couldn't do that th- like three years ago with Roman Reigns. Yeah, and he tried to do it with fifty-year-old Bill Goldberg, who was knocked loopy. Yeah, and spiked him on his head. Yeah, <laughs> and just Goldberg kept... gave him a shoot brainbuster. Yeah, yep, yep. It was real bad. So I don't know what the what what comes from this, if anything. Um, I don't expect that it was the Undertaker's last match. I could see them blaming Goldberg for this somehow. And not deciding to use him anymore, even though this is kind of a freak thing. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on using fifty-year-old guys? I mean, I mean, beyond what we just said, I don't. Look, the Undertaker hasn't had a like a really, really good match since what? Probably the Punk match. That's my opinion. Yeah. Like I know, I know, like the Brock matches in whatever that was, twenty fifteen, were fine. They were and... they were miraculous, but they were all smoke and mirrors. Sure. And and for what they were, they were fine. But every other match he's had since I would say, you know, since that punk match has been just diminishing returns and it's just gotten a little sadder each time. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's just he definitely I definitely don't ever need to see Undertaker versus another legend again. <laughs> like I hope that like I, I guess my hope is they don't try to put together like Undertaker versus Steve Austin for the next one. <laughs> or Undertaker versus Steve sting or somebody like i hope they don't uh, like if under like because undertaker worked rusev on one of these shows didn't he yes like a young guy that will go up for him and will treat him nicely <laughs> and will you know will go up for everything and not lay it in on him might be <laughs> all right 
but like I yeah, I never need to see Un- I really don't ever need to see Undertaker again, but I really don't need to see Undertaker versus any other old men. Fair enough. Uh there was I still have not seen Randy Orton and Triple H from that show, which I kind of have a sick desire to see. <laughs> you want to see some chin locks? <laughs> I, I do. I want to see I want to see just where each man is right now in their career. <laughs> Fair. Um, so that was one real bad incident over this past weekend. And then the New Japan Dominion show happened. And Tetsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi went out there and attempted to kill each other. And to me, that's even worse and more irresponsible than putting two 50-plus-year-old guys in the ring together. Because yeah. at least... At least you have the plausible deniability of, well, we didn't know that Goldberg and Pop-Pop were going to hurt each other. Right. <laughs> Whereas with Tetsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi in New Japan, this is the third time we've seen this match this year already. And yes. we know they're going to go out there and they're going to try to kill each other. And sure enough, they did. Um, so that was way worse to me than Undertaker and Goldberg. I'm just, I just hope everyone's okay. You got anything to add on? No, I mean, you pretty much covered it there. I mean, it's funny just because the one spot is the one that everybody saw that was gift on Twitter was the, the horrible German where Obushi landed neck first on the apron, which don't get me wrong, was absolutely horrifying. But that was like one of like nine times in that match that one of those guys landed on their head or neck. Yeah. uh, When they didn't have to. And it's just frustrating. I think uh, the company is needs to step in and sh- can and should be held liable if something happens to one of those guys. Because again, like you said, this isn't a freak thing. It's not like oh, we messed up a couple spots and you know, it's, no, that's not what happened. Um, huh. These guys drop each other on on their heads, and every time they wrestle each other. Actually, the German on the apron was kind of like a freak accident. Like he wasn't obviously he wasn't supposed to hit his head right he was on the to side do like of the a ring, flip bump to the floor or something, and right just didn't make it over. That was the freak accident. There were other ones, other bumps in that match where they intentionally spiked each other right on top of their heads. Right, which is <laughs> also ironic or funny, I guess, but. Yeah, the one spot that everybody freaked out about was the one that was legitimately an accident. <laughs> right. But the other eight weren't. <laughs> right. So, yeah, yeah, I think, like I said, I think the company needs to be able to step in and just and just say, like, you got to stop. Like, you can't. If you do this, like, f- threaten to find them, threaten to fire them, whatever you got to do. Like, you as the company, clearly they're not going to take care of themselves. So you as the company... Uh, needs to step in and do something about it. So that's that's all I really got on on that on that side of stuff. But it's yeah, that was it was it was terrible. Which is funny because you know I wasn't even really thinking about it that hard. But like you would think the match everyone would be terrified about, or at least maybe six months ago you would have thought would be the the Dragon Lee and Will Osprey match. Yeah, and for the most part, I mean they did some high risk stuff in there, but I never once was afraid one of them was going to die. Yeah, and there were nine. Like I said, there were about nine times in the Ibushi match where I thought someone was going to die. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that they did in the Osprey and Dragon Lee match where you're like, oh, there's a high risk of injury in doing that. 
yeah. there's not <laughs> there weren't a lot of spots where it was like there's a high risk of death or or yes. broken or broken neck in doing that right exactly so um all right so that's kind of the the injury portion of both of those shows let's chat about i don't really have anything to add about super showdown other than i thought it was a really boring show do you want to talk about the ladies <sighs> they flew they flew poor natty and alexa uh, to Saudi Arabia in hopes that they might be allowed to have the ladies wrestle. Yeah. And uh, turns out they just flew them there to make an appearance at a children's hospital because the Saudi Arabian government does not want women wrestling on this show. Uh, I did see a video package on the show for like a Ronda Rousey special or something. And I wonder if uh, they're going to get backlash from that because the last time they showed like uh, women in a sports bra on uh, one of these in a video package on one of these Saudi shows, the uh, Saudi sports administration or whoever it was had to issue an apology. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I thought it was interesting that, I mean, the way the story came out was that they had asked about it and had maybe got like a tentative yes at some points, but to their credit, to their credit, if that's the right <laughs> word, they were smart enough to never advertise it. Because I guess they knew th- that it probably wasn't going to happen, or at least it possibly <laughs> couldn't happen. So instead, they just didn't talk about it and just quietly flew them to the country and then just kind of stood there and was like shrugging yeah. <laughs> at the Saudi government. And the Saudi government was like, mm, no, no, we changed our minds. <laughs> or maybe we never said yes. Right. I don't know. But it was whatever whatever the exact details are, I guess we'll... Uh, Remain a mystery unless one of the involved parties uh, speaks about it honestly. But yeah, I thought I. It's like, well, I guess it's not quite. Uh, I guess we're just not there yet. Maybe WWE needs to go, you know, another three or four times before they can bring about <laughs> that uh, that progressive change. It's real bad. The shows are they're poor quality. Uh, they're poor conditions for the performers. They're wrestling. Outdoors in 103 degrees. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the bad crowd reactions. They're bad shows. Bad finishes. Just, they're, they're bad. They're bad all around, except they line their pockets. So Yeah. Well, I heard Mojo Raleigh had a nice time. <laughs> he sucks. Yeah. He sucks so bad. He's the worst. They had a very uh, apparently racist and problematic guy win uh, a battle royal on that show, too. Yeah, uh, this guy, Mansoor, I guess is an NXT guy. Um, obviously, he's never been on TV or anything, but... Mansoor. Mansoor, I apologize. Um, Mansoor. What am I saying? I'm No, you're saying Mansoor. Oh. I'm just saying Mansoor. Oh, okay. Anyway, but yes, he uh, famously... So there was a thing, and I don't want to get into the great historical details about this but in like 2017 Shia LaBeouf the actor set up some sort of live stream that was then that was like just a camera running in like a street in Atlanta or something like 24 hours a day I don't even know if it was in Atlanta somewhere in the United States and this guy who was apparently a big like 4chan uh, which is that's the Nazi uh, social media platform um, not all but they hang out. Look, they're not all Nazis there, but they all hang out with Nazis there. And he was doing, uh, you know, 
a an impression of a very racist caricature of Jewish people and said some stuff about uh, Arabs as well. Um, so maybe not a great guy. And uh, but hey, that was and unlike Lars, he doesn't even have the excuse that it was like five years ago. It was like <laughs> two years ago. Um, but I believe he uh, he's claimed that was just he was just a troll. So it's one of those funny things where you say terrible, horrible, racist things. But, you know, as a joke, <laughs> I, I don't I really classic don't. bit of humorism where you're just mean and racist. This this world is passing me by. <clears throat> anyway. Let's talk about rest. <laughs> All right. Um, Raw and SmackDown this week. Raw was uh, Raw was boring. There was not a lot of wrestling in the first hour. Uh, it flew by for me because I was uh, on play-by-play on WrestlingObserver.com for it. Uh, so um, I had to pay attention, and I was like multitasking during the show. So it went by pretty quickly, but... My big takeaways from the show were that Baron Corbin, uh, both the challengers for both the top men's title and the top women's title, Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans, they both lost cleanly in their last title matches. And yet, for some reason that was never really explained, they have been granted immediate rematches. What? Yeah. The funny thing about the Lacey one is, you remember there's that like weird thing where the ref didn't count when she was like school schoolboying Becky. Yes, they could at least bring that up, right? Yeah. Yes, and say, oh well, she you know technically or the ref should have counted, and so she demands the shot, and Becky's like, fine, I'll give you another shot, I'll beat you again. That's like that. What did that take me? Nine seconds. Yeah. Yes. Um, they've been doing this for longer than that, and. <laughs> When was that last pay-per-view? Like six weeks ago? Yes. Like, um, yeah. So they've had time to think of a reason as to why also could have done like a number one contenders match and had Lacey win that. They didn't. Um, so yeah, they're just having another match. And I appreciate Becky tried to really like sell that she really hates Lacey because Lacey cost her the SmackDown belt. But it's we've seen the match. It wasn't good. And the baby face won clean with their moves. So yeah, not, not super jazzed about the, about seeing this rematch and this, this whole uh, show, WWE large boot coming at you next weekend. Just, just lots of rematches of a bunch of matches that weren't particularly exciting or good. (laughs) So we were chatting about this offline before this week's show, but there's a million problems with WWE right now, and everything is so broken that I don't even creatively broken that yeah I, that it's hard to pick like one starting point <laughs> and like they are in theory doing a lot of things that I think I would do if I were trying to fix a lot of what ails them, but which is they killed all their baby faces for a long time. And now they think they're doing what they used to do when they were successful, which was have have a lot of baby faces on top. Right. You, we build around the hero, right? Well, controversial, uh, <laughs> <laughs> groundbreaking. Yes. Uh, so I think whether that's the influence of Pritchard or 
Jarrett or some of the more old school guys that were brought in. I bet this is a, a, an abyss idea. <laughs> Jeez. I, Gregory Helms is pitching this one to Vince. I'm, I'm pegging all of the weird Alexa Bliss stuff of like her taking her shoes off and her sitting in a puddle of coffee in white jeans. I'm pinning all that on abyss. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> Just strikes me as something you'd be into. Fair enough. But so they're doing a lot of things that I would do if I were creatively trying to fix things. The problem is, though, that they don't have any opponents ready for these babyface champions. And so they're doing stuff that doesn't make sense, like granting rematches <laughs> to people that lost cleanly <laughs> in their first title match. You got any thoughts right. on on the whole babyface champion, heel champion? Any of that that we just laid out. Yeah, I think, and, and in general, yeah, I think it's really good that your your four, you know, most of your singles champions are baby faces. Most of them win a lot, and they win with their move. That's good. Like that's that is better than what they were doing, say, last November, for instance, when you know when the TV was getting really bad. Um. But as you just laid out, they have just nobody ready. And, like, it was, I understood a little bit, like, when they brought Dolph back for the Saudi show, it <laughs> kind of made sense to me because Owens wouldn't go and Brian wouldn't go. And so, who else, like, they're like, let's just pick a guy off the street and make him the number one contender for the title. <laughs> um, All right. And so they picked off. I was like, all right, so he's going to do this spot show, and then we'll get back to, like, the real, you know, whoever Kofi's real challenger is. We'll do another Owens rematch or whatever right. at the next show. And instead, they're, they intentionally booked the finish of the Dol Dolph match at the Saudi show to lead to a rematch. <laughs> and so now they have to have a cage match. <laughs> the baby face cheated. Yes, the, the the cage is so that the heel can have a fair fight with the babyface. <laughs> the heel demanded that he have that he be able to have a fair fight, and uh, not and the babyface's friends couldn't interfere anymore. <laughs> but anyway, but again, on a on the principal standpoint of babyfaces being your champions and winning a lot, that's good. You just. It's just fascinating to me that they just look around and like, we got to keep going with these people. It's like, even if you just alternate some of those chuckleheads, uh, you know, <laughs> that you've been, you know, the Drews and the Bob Lashley's and, you know, what happened to Rob Roode? Where's Rob Roode been? He's a, he's a pretty, he's a prelim guy. I, I mean, so is Baron Corbin. He's just miscast. Like, that's that's give true. him three weeks of TV. You have him beat some people, and then he's your next challenge. Like, it's it's not like anyone. If you if you try some stuff, <laughs> if you try to work hard, or here's the thing: you knew who your champions were going to be coming out of WrestleMania, presumably, right? Yeah, about like two months out, it was really clear. <laughs> so maybe from like February to April, you decide to start building some heels if you know hey we're gonna have like mostly babyface champions post mania you go all right we got to build up heels we need we need new top heels we need uh maybe you, yeah you bring some people up from nxt you use them maybe you take a guy 
who's been in the mid card and you build them up to be a big star. But they didn't do that. They just kind of sat around and <laughs> like they did the Seth and AJ match and now AJ's hurt and needs time off. And it's like, well, who do we got left for Seth? Well, we got Baron Corbin. <laughs> and, and if it wasn't Corbin, it'd be Lashley or Drew or Elias or whoever. Like Brock, Brock Lesnar has been on TV for 17 years. It's true. And he still is like the best option of, of anybody, I guess, for Seth. But that's, I don't know. Like, it's, yeah, they should have, I guess it's hindsight, hindsight is 2020, but it was foresight because you knew that Kofi and Seth and Becky were winning titles at WrestleMania. Um, so you had no reason to not have people ready for them after WrestleMania. That's, that's their fault. Yeah. Now, to me, if I'm thinking about building for the future there right now, I have to either sacrifice some of the underneath heels or baby faces, I have to sacrifice their careers <laughs> in order to get the next, uh, next, you know, three years of challengers or whatever ready. Isn't if that makes any sense, like they need to beat guys that are over to get more over. And I don't think drew and Lashley and guys like that are over. If it were yeah. me, I would have a bunch of baby faces beat those guys, and then at least I would have a bunch of new baby faces that are that are over, mm-hmm. and then and then you bring up some more heels, and then you have the heels beat those guys, and like problem is I think they're, they're like a good eighteen months to two years away from having a really good squad of both baby faces and heels that where everybody is slotted correctly and over correctly. And I, I don't know. Can we just start fresh? <laughs> you want you want another reset show? <laughs> I kind of do. <laughs> just do a new draft or superstar shakeup. <sighs> anyway. So the wild card rule has lost its luster with you is what I'm hearing. <laughs> it just never had any, never had any luster, obviously, but yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to think about, when this thing gets on Fox <laughs> in four yeah. mo- in four months, and you need to attract an audience, like let's start planning for that now, <laughs> and hmm. and think about what we need to do. Like right now, I don't think I don't care about Lashley or Drew at all, and it's like after Corbin, one of those or one of those guys is probably going to be wrestling Seth, and it's like. I, I just I don't I don't care about those guys. Yeah, and it's it's also tough. Is like okay, you could st- they started to build up Lars for someone. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like, it's Roman. By the way, it's one hundred percent Roman. <laughs> um, but okay, that's one. And you could also then on say on the other side, uh, they have like Alistair Black not really doing anything. You could try again. You could build some guys up but like you said to have a full roster of like built up fresh guys yeah it would take time and it would take effort and it would take a certain like vision of right here's here's so these four or five people are our tippy top guys that we have already established right here's all the guys we're gonna feed to them and here's all and then here's the new class of heels 
and here's all the baby faces that we're going to feed those guys so that they're ready right. to then go work with those other top guys. <laughs> right. And that's like, there's no, there's, I don't see a scenario where that type of long-term thinking is employed <laughs> in WWE right now. It's so absurd though. Like why not? <laughs> they don't pay me. And I sit here thinking about this stuff <laughs> for, the, for the same reason you have to like talk to, you have to explain to me why Chad Gable is on 205 live. <laughs> well, that's yeah, let's or talk not about... on television at all. Let's, let's talk about that. So Chad Gable debuted on 205 live this week and he had a really good match. I guess. I don't know. I've never watched 205 live. But... <laughs> um, so you're you're saying so you uh, texted me or whatever and you're like, hey man, this is like I don't know what Gable needs to quit. They are never going to do anything with him. He's so good. Why are they not going to? I'm like, yeah. Well, they're not doing anything with him because he's he's short. And you're like, I know. And but they should. And I'm like, I know. And you're, and you're like, he's wacky and entertaining. Or he could be he could be fun and entertaining. And I'm like, I know, but he's a bad script reciter. And then like you're getting frustrated with me. And I'm like, look. I know, I know they should do something with them. And I know yeah. that these are not good reasons not to push him. Being a bad script reciter and being short are not good reasons not right. to push somebody. But they are the reasons. Yeah. <laughs> like, like well, those, that's, and that's those the same are thing the reasons. Yeah, and that's the same thing we, we're talking about with, with why can't they just build some guys up and then beat them and then Right. Cycle guys in out. Why don't they treat NXT like a territory and cycle guys in and out so that yeah. the same guys aren't on TV for five years straight at a time minimum? Yeah. Yeah. There was, I've been watching a lot of stuff from the 80s recently, mm-hmm. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of WWF stuff from the mid 80s. And there was a pecking order and there was so much less television. And now here we are 30 years later and there's so much more television. And the shelf life for these guys, rather than being shorter, it's extended. Dolph Ziggler's been on TV for 13 years. It's like in 19 in 1986 television years. That's like that's like three lifetimes. That's like Brett's entire WWF run, where he started as a jobber and then became a tag guy for four years, and then was an Intercontinental guy for three years, right. and then was World Champion guy for four years. Right. It's ridic- It's so ridiculous. Particularly- and Dolph's just been Dolph for that. Particularly- <laughs> well, I guess some of that he was the Spirit Squad guy. <laughs> Not much, though. And, like, you just... There needs to be a shelf life for these guys. And, like, I don't, yeah. want, anybody- I don't want anybody to lose their job. But it used to be you debut at the bottom of the card, you work your way up the card, <laughs> you work your way down the card. If you're lucky, you get a face or a heel turn, and you, you get one more run up and down, and then that's it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like again, like like you said to me about Chad Gable and, <laughs> and bad scripts, and like I said to you about you know everything else in the wrestling business. Right. These aren't good reasons, <laughs> but they are in fact the reasons. Yeah. Of why why things don't work so good in world wrestling entertainment <laughs> these days. Yeah. Well, so we're trying to we're trying to fix this damn territory. We're, tr- we're trying. We're sitting around trying to book the territory. <laughs> it's not going great. Uh, Chris Jericho wrestled in the main event of a New Japan show this past weekend. Uh, I guess just because it's dominated my life for, for most of the last six weeks. Sure. Talk a little New Japan here. Will Osprey 
uh, finished one of the great tournament wrestling runs of all time, winning Best of the Super Juniors, and then winning the Junior Heavyweight title from Dragon Lee at Dominion this past weekend. Chris Jericho lost to Okada on that show, uh, but they did an angle after the match where he beat down Okada. So it sets up forever. Yeah. And Tanahashi made the save. So it sets up future matches, both with Tanahashi and they can go back to Okada if they want. Uh, What did you think about the Okada and Jericho stuff? It was definitely a very uh, American style angle in a promotion, (laughs) in a promotion that doesn't do them. Uh, and uh, any thoughts on uh, the Best of Super Juniors, Will Osprey tournament run, any of that stuff? Yeah, uh, I'll start with Jericho here. Um, the match itself, I think, <laughs> was the worst Okada match I've seen in years. <laughs> it was still good. It yeah. was still very good. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was much more. It was more Okada working Jericho's match. Than yeah. the other way around, which I think was for the best. Yeah. Um, you know, Jericho did the spot where he goes in the crowd and he grabs the ring bell and he grabs the camera and all that. And it was it was mostly just a wild brawl. And I even kind of li- I even liked the finish that they did. Basically, it's like Okada is the best wrestler in the world, and so yeah, Jericho beats the tar out of him for most of the match, and then he out wrestles him and pins him with a wrestling move. I thought that was really well done, very clever. And it, you know, it protects Jericho as much as you can protect a guy while still pinning him clean. Yeah. So I like, yeah, I liked, I liked that. The post match I thought just went too long, (laughs) and the Jericho's beating him down for like five minutes, and Tanahashi's just sitting at the announce table watching it, and then at sort of a, a, you know, indiscriminate amount of time, he just decides, all right, now I'll get up. And maybe that's because Tanahashi is so beat up and slow. He was trying to get up the whole time and he just, it took him five minutes to stand up. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, like I said, I, I liked it. I'm fine with more uh, with an, with the rematch. I thought it was, it was all well and good. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. how did you, how did you feel? <laughs> it's getting tough to, uh, for me to watch Chris Jericho stuff <laughs> and not think about, what I think about Chris Jericho, the person. Yeah, I'm and... at that. I'm at that same point. It's getting more difficult for me to separate the artist from his art. Mm. Uh, Chris, I respect greatly as a performer, but I'm worried about him as a, as a human being. <laughs> he he's never worked what you would probably call a very high risk uh, physical style, and yet. He's now pushing 50 years old and he's been doing this for 28 years and he's probably had a few concussions and he's wrestling in Chris Benoit tribute pants. Mm. It's all just a little bit too much for me to enjoy Uh, for me to enjoy Chris anymore. Um, That's fair. I think that's very (laughs) fair. He's going to win the AEW title. By the way, I'm pretty sure. If I were those guys, after like six months or a year at Jericho, I would run as far away from him as I possibly could. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's also it's just it's weird, and we we talked about this before. There's no problem with having you know the ECW style one or two older guys, 
right. you know, the way they use Terry Funk or, or Snuka or whoever in their early days right? where, you know, you have the legend that can still go and he, you know, he, he works with the younger guys. I think that's fine. But yeah, you, you got Dustin there and he's, as far as an actual professional wrestler, I think is better than Jericho in the ring and maybe has more mileage because of the, you know, the, the familial connection. So yeah, maybe, maybe Dustin should be the legend that can still go and Jericho, you, you do, you know, six months a year, like you said, and then we, uh, we shake hands <laughs> and bid each other adieu. <laughs> we'll see. Well, uh, what do you think of Will Ospreay? Is he the best wrestler in the world right now? I don't, I can't think of anybody better. It's funny. Cause I think, I think on the show and certainly off the show, uh, leading up to Best of Super Juniors, we had a discussion about uh, whether or not Dragon Lee was the best wrestler in the world, or one of the best, and whether or not, and I think I mentioned that I think that I thought Osprey might be a little bit better, but that we would that we would reconvene post <laughs> Best of the Super Juniors. Yeah, and I saw a lot of Osprey's matches. I didn't see every single one. I didn't see every Dragon Lee match either. But from what I saw of both of them, my opinion is that Will Ospreay is probably the single best wrestler in the world. Uh, and the Dragon Lee is maybe like third or fourth best in the world. But as someone who watched li- almost literally all of it, if not all of it, uh, what, what is your, uh, your more informed opinion on the, the Dragon Lee versus Will Ospreay debate that we set up? Uh, Will Ospreay is the best wrestler in the world. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really not that close. <laughs> um, yeah. Before this tournament started, I was of the opinion that Dragon had passed Osprey. About a year a year ago, I thought Osprey was the best wrestler in the world. And then, whether it was just him not having a whole lot going on booking-wise in New Japan, or not being on a couple tours, or just seeing more of Dragon as junior heavyweight champion recently, going into the tournament, I thought, well, maybe Dragon has passed him. And then... There were a lot of shows on this tour where Osprey worked the semi-main and then Dragon worked in the main event. And Osprey tore the house down and Dragon <laughs> couldn't figure out how to get the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think Dragon Lee's one of the 10 best guys in the world. Yeah. I have to sit down and figure out who all would be on my list. That's but... hardly an insult, by the way, to be like, you're you're not quite as good as the best performer in the entire world. Yeah. It's certainly not an insult to Dragon Lee. He's he's incredible. Oh, absolutely. And there's still stuff that I can nitpick Will Osprey about. Like to me, when he's selling, sometimes particularly if he's gonna go on to win the match, you're like, Oh, he's selling this particular way because he really wants to make it look good when he comes comes back and wins <laughs> at the end. But, but right, but there's a lot of wrestlers that do that, right? So you know, I could still there. I think there is, believe it or not, still room for him to be better. <laughs> it's like I yeah. should not be able to tell the finish of your match by the way you're selling. But that's fair. But yeah, I, yeah, like I said, I think Osprey's incredible. That was that was an incredible tournament. Uh, just a lot of talented guys, and I know everybody loves. I think most wrestling fans would say the G1 is their favorite, uh, you know, wrestling tournament every year. To me, I never have more fun as far as watching, watching just a ton of great matches. Um, I don't know. I guess it's, maybe it's just the junior heavyweight style is more interesting. 
and more watchable to me than the heavyweight New Japan style. But like to me, best of the super juniors is like that's that's one of my favorite things in wrestling every year now. Yeah, it's good. This year's tournament, I thought they worked a little bit more like a New Japan heavyweight style. It was at least early on, there was less emphasis on flying and more on striking. I think that okay. sh- that shifted a little bit later in the tournament. Um, and it, you got more of your traditional flying. But uh, Doki, by the way, I hope I never see him again. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be transfers to hell. Yes, he's awful. Okay, we talked about New Japan. We talked Speaking about WWE. One. Uh, oh, yeah. There's 36 different guys declared for it on that Dominion show. Yep, John Moxley. Uh, Kenta debuted. Former Hideo yes. Itami. Being managed by uh, Shibata. Yeah. Uh, Shingo Takagi is going to be in the G1 as well. Uh, apparently, you and I are the only two not in the G1 <laughs> at this point. I saw an I saw something that said Hunter's going to be re- Triple H is going to be wrestling <laughs> in Japan uh, later later this summer. I was like, wow, they got everybody for this tournament. Yeah, yeah. You think he's going over there to do some business? Those those were the dots that I connected. Um, well, the fact that Kenta didn't go back to uh, you know the promotion he was most famous for working in, yeah, uh, tells me that they're probably not in good. Uh, they're not in uh, like really good shape right now. Yeah. And that's when it's time for Uncle Paul to show up and be their best friend <laughs> and uh, agree to a quote-unquote talent-sharing agreement with them. And uh, we get NXT Japan, but you know all those other guys can still work wherever they want in Japan as long as they don't work in New Japan for the next two years. And then we will quietly <laughs> sign all of those guys to exclusive <laughs> deals to NXT Japan. I, I think that's what's happening. Yeah, I think that might be what's... I, I haven't re- I haven't read that anywhere. No one's told me that. Those are just the dots well, that I connected. Didn't before he left? Didn't they let a Tommy work one show over there for some retirement match? Yep, yep. They let him work into a show. Yep, yep. So it's like yeah, like Hunter's made friends over there already, and yep. I'm and sure it looks good on paper to partner with WWE, especially if you're not doing super well financially. Yep, and they're letting Tony work stardom, so. It's another thing. Ah. Just wouldn't be a show if I didn't get a Tony Storm reference in. Sure. All right. Is there anything else we need to get into here? Um, I mean, yeah, we we could uh, we could talk about like Brodus Clay being <laughs> outed as a, a sexual harasser. I believe uh, the term the term he used is sex pest. Yes, <laughs> sex pest. Which He's a sex pest. I think is under underplaying it a little bit. But is that a, a, a term that you coined, or is that from something? I feel like I've heard it somewhere besides me, but <laughs> I use it quite frequently. Okay. But look, um, I think at this point, the headline that would shock me more was if I found out that there was a Fox News host who hasn't harassed somebody. So yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that pops up in the news, but. Yeah, so there's that, and then oh, we never talked about. I don't think we didn't do a show last week, so we didn't get to talk about Bubba Ray uh, taking <laughs> fans backstage to yell at them. It's so bad, like an idiot, like the biggest idiot. It's like a Leroy McGurk promotion in the seventies, <laughs> where it's like, oh, that fan, we're gonna, we're gonna let the boys take care of him. Yeah, <laughs> what is going on? Like, just kick him out. Like Sinclair, if you're Sinclair, do you need friggin' 
bully Ray so bad that you can't fire him? And apparently the answer is yes. Yeah, they didn't do anything. <laughs> they sent out a statement probably, I don't know, at the end of last week where they're like, well, he definitely shouldn't have done that. And we're very <laughs> mad, but we're still investigating what action we might take. Right, which like, means nothing. We're going to do nothing until this blows over. And if it doesn't, so then it didn't blow over right away. And I think there was a second statement that was just more of we're still gathering evidence. Right. <laughs> it's like, we're just going to keep letting this blow over until it blows over. And right. now it's it's a week and a half later and it's pretty much blown over. Yeah, I guess that's just, that's just what, <laughs> what's just what we do at ROH shows. And to be fair, I mean, I thought the story was suspect because like what self-respecting fan would admit to going to an ROH show? But it turns out he was there, and it really happened. So yeah, hey, don't besmirch the good name of Oshkosh Big Josh. <laughs> that's that's the other thing. Like, I have no <laughs> doubt that this guy was being obnoxious and lewd towards oh, yeah. the female performers. I have no problem believing that. But again, all you got to do is say, "Security, I want him gone," and yeah. that's it. Throw and, him out, and he can complain about that on Twitter. But I'm sure there's fine print on every ticket and in every, you know, any live event that you would go to, any concert, anything where, like, if the performers are uncomfortable with you there and they ask security to get rid of you, they're allowed to do that. Like, that's not, nobody's suing over that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what a, what a clown show. <laughs> Sorry, Enzo and Cass are going to come in and fix everything. <laughs> Just set that territory on fire. They're, they'll be running the show soon. They'll be booking stuff and getting the girlfriend hired. But I knew. By the way, I knew that New Japan put out a statement last week. They're like, we we're committed to our partnerships, and we're not interested in working with anybody else. Yeah. And I was like, I don't believe you, <laughs> because if Ring, if I wasn't working a joint show with Ring of Honor, and they didn't tell me that in a match where my talent was winning the tag team titles that two guys were going to jump the ring or jump the rail and try to start a brawl. Uh, I would have been like, bye. Like, yeah. I'm out. And I understand why like, I guess like the CMLL versus AAA stuff does make it a little more complicated, but right. New Japan is a working agreement with CMLL and ring of honor does. Uh, but AEW is working with AAA. Right. I, and I get that that's probably the more complicated issue than, just cutting ties with Ring of Honor individually, but come on, man. I don't. I don't pretend to understand Japanese cultures. I've never been there, but Dave Meltzer also makes a big deal about how, in Japanese culture, even Japanese business culture, it's there's more of a, a mindset of loyalty than there is here. And I, but, but they're bad, and they <laughs> did, and they lied to you about something dumb, like. I don't know. I feel like I feel like being kayfabed by my business partners at <laughs> the biggest North American show I've ever run would be enough for me to be like, all right, let's <laughs> let's let's start seeing other people. So at, when I still had a uh, a shoot office job, uh, they were doing a round of layoffs, and uh, they told both me and my one of the other employees that we were safe ahead of time, <laughs> but they told us not to tell anybody. But so we didn't tell anybody, and the whole time we were kayfabing each other. <laughs> we're like, "Oh man, I gotta go look for a job." Uh, 
Yeah. It's really terrible. I'm like, yeah, I'm starting a job search. Yeah. <laughs> Got to find a job. <laughs> and then they finished around the layoffs and then we were still there. Like, Hey, you, <laughs> <laughs> you knucklehead. All right. Let's keep the kayfabe alive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fixing every territory one step at a time. <laughs> step one. Just don't let bully Ray. I mean, preferably work there, but especially <laughs> don't let him be in charge of anything. How about how about that? Remember, Big Dave hates Bully Ray. Big Dave is maybe the only good human being in wrestling. So. He's a very good judge of character. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get out of here. I'm Ethan. <laughs> I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Adios. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. get checked for hernia today not today that was yesterday <laughs> and it was by a doctor <laughs> i just like to put that out that made me lol <laughs> when you had to clarify that like there wasn't some random stranger wandering bel-air offering free hernia checks oh let me rant about the vet <laughs> okay for, for some just so you have some choices for bonus material so we take the dog to the vet on friday it's a huge ordeal i picked the like a friday afternoon in the summertime just an annual checkup you know gets the Mm -hmm. annual vaccines whatever figure friday afternoon in the summertime probably uh not a long wait which is good because he doesn't do well waiting with other dogs so sure enough we get there one other dog in the waiting area. It was, and they're in a new facility. They have a giant waiting area. It's like this is awesome. They take. We are seen fairly quickly, which is something of a miracle at this uh, particular animal hospital. <laughs> um, uh, they start doing an exam. Uh, they have like a vet tech that does the preliminary exam. Then the doctor comes in and for the second half. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, great, great, great. Um, so the tech is like, 
Well, I tried to uh, stick this thermometer up his butt. <laughs> and, well, I mean, she's doing this while we're, while we're all in the room. And so I'm like holding the dog. The dog is muzzled. And I'm holding the dog kind of like in a front face lock. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she sticks the thermometer in him. And he, like, does not like that. I mean, who, really, who would? <laughs> sure. And she's like, well, okay, I guess I won't take his temperature. All right, gave up pretty quick there, but okay. And it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta draw blood so we can do his blood work. Like, all right. She's like, well, I only got a little bit of blood. It's probably not enough to test, but I don't want to provoke him anymore. So let's see if the doc can do anything else. And if not, oh, well. All right. All right, he's probably okay. fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, uh, okay, so sure. the doctor, doctor comes in, she does the rest of the exam. She's like, okay, now what are we doing uh, on the blood work? <laughs> I'm like, do you want to? Uh... She's like, well, we can either. What have we done in the past? I'm like, well, in the past, you've had a big, uh, muscly vet tech uh, come back or come in and take him, and you take him in the back. And you do whatever you need to do with him in the back. <laughs> right. But there's a big dude who like holds him in a uh, Minoru Suzuki rear naked choke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that he can't turn his head and bite anyone or whatever. It's like, okay, well, uh, we could do that. Or you could maybe bring it back another time. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, first of all, he's going to know what's coming the second time. Like yeah. right right now, he doesn't know what's gonna happen when he goes back there. It's like if you take him back, if we come back a second time, he's gonna be so much more cantankerous because he's going to know what you're going to try to do to him. <laughs> like, sure. So how about you do your job and you take him back there and you draw the blood? It's like if nobody wants to do their job, uh, Anna has taken him to a groom to a place that offered grooming before. And they're like, we can't groom him. He keeps jumping off the table. It's like, well, if the pet groomer can't groom the dog, then who will <laughs> it's like, it's like someone somewhere has to be able to do their job. So we go to the vet. If, if the vet can't draw blood, who would you take, have us take him to, to draw blood, to do blood work. <laughs> right. It, like it's, it's you guys. That's it's your job. <laughs> like I right. know, I know it's terrible. And again, I'm not angry at the vet tech that's making thirty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> I'm more angry at the whole system. <laughs> sure, that's fair. Anyway, all right. You would imagine that he is not the only dog that's ever come in there that's maybe a little bit skittish or moves around a lot. Sure, every dog. Right. <laughs> I worked. I worked at a dog daycare. <laughs> like, right. And I. And that's why I, I. I empathize or sympathize with the the tech who's not making any money because at the dog daycare, if the dog is boarding, and the dog needs medication, and the dog has a habit of spitting out their medication, well, somebody's got to wrestle that dog and pry its jaws open and put the pills down its throat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's like, and thankfully that was never me, but I had to see it happen because the dog has to take medicine. <laughs> right. Like, and sure, there's the party that's like, well, I'm not getting paid enough to do this, but also you signed up for a crappy job. <laughs> so do it. Sure. All right. That wasn't, that wasn't worth your time. I'm sorry. 
I just have nothing to add. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I totally, totally hey. waste, wasted eight minutes of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Look, sometimes you just need to vent. <laughs> that wasn't about me. That was about you. And that's all right. Yeah, but now I feel bad. So that's eight minutes. You'll never get back. Nah, that's fine. God said it I try to keep on keeping on.